Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, my name is John Huber, and I'm sitting in for Boyd today. I'm the former United States attorney here in Utah and a practicing lawyer. So, listen to this headline from the Washington Post, one of the most the preeminent uh, news outlet in the country and in our history. Here's the headline. More than 1,700 congressmen once enslaved black people. This is who they were and how they shaped the nation. So when we think of slave owners, we tend to think of times long past. I'm a history buff. It's what I studied in college. I really like history. We think about the founding fathers. We Maybe the Civil War comes to mind and others long forgotten. But congressmen owned slaves well into the 19th century and were still being elected into the 20th century. A fact that I think is, well, that's really surprising. We have our next guest on the program, Julie Weil of the Washington Post. And we thank you, Julie, for sharing some time and observations with us today. Thank you for having me. Well, this article is really quite a read and uh, very, very interesting. Let's just roll through some of the highlights. Can you tell us about um, maybe some of the famous, outstanding people from Congress who were slaveholders through history? Sure. There were many, and I think part of what was so interesting to me in working on this project was looking at the people who it's not as well known that they were slaveholders. We know, for example, that 12 U.S. presidents were enslavers, uh, some of them while they were in the White House. Uh, But we don't talk as much about some people, including some people who we talk about their anti-slavery achievements, like John McLean, who was a Supreme Court justice, who was one of the only two dissenters in the notorious Dred Scott case. Um, When I was looking at these historic census records to put together this database, I found that he was actually one of the rare residents of Ohio who was a slave owner. Uh, And that part of his story is usually left out. Yeah, that's that is interesting. Ohio, which you don't think of being a slaveholder kind of state, were there other states where there were slaveholders, prominent uh, policymakers that surprised you in your research? It was really much of the country. I found slaveholders who represented 37 states in Congress, basically every state that that was a state um, and some that were not in the time before the Civil War, including Utah. Uh, Utah has one slaveholder who I found, uh, William Henry Hooper, who was one of the early delegates elected to represent Utah before it became a state, had been a slaveholder. 
Well, that's interesting. I think they named a town after him, uh, if it's the Hooper I'm thinking about. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, now, He's what about... interesting because uh, he, uh, there, there's more information on him than on some of these people. There's actually a document in the State Historical Society showing the bill of sale when he purchased an enslaved person named Dan. In Utah? I mean, that transaction occurred in Utah? In Utah, or... in Salt Lake City. Oh, my goodness. That is a big surprise. What about party lines? Uh, I mean, we, I know Republicans and Democrats have existed for a long time, but we've had a lot of parties in our nation's history. Did it? Did, it, did your research center on a particular party having slaveholders in it? Yes, the variety of parties was pretty amazing. I think there were more than 60 parties these men represented. There were prohibitionists and progressives and unionists and all sorts of parties we don't have anymore. But the most common were the parties that we do still have today. Uh, the, the most common affiliation of these congressmen was with the Democratic Party. And the second most common was with the Republican Party. Which, in our through our lens today, that should be very surprising to us. But isn't that a challenge on a history project like this, that that sometimes we start judging history through the lens of our modern society. I mean, is that a challenge that you face as a historical researcher? Right. I mean, what it means to be a Democrat in 1875 is totally different from what it means to be a Democrat in 1975. The values that those parties represented really changed. But I do think that the Republican Party prides itself rightfully on its roots as an abolitionist party. The early Republicans, Lincoln was a Republican, they were anti-slavery as a party for the most part. But I find in my work that there's well over 400 congressmen who at some point in their careers identified as Republicans who also were slaveholders. Hmm. How did how did slaveholding influence that earlier phase of American history? This is something that I'm really excited about making this database available to the public because I think there's a lot of work to be done exploring that question. I think I've only started scratching the surface on that. Um, For example, I did look at some of the votes that these early congressmen took. And if you look at something like the Missouri Compromise, where they voted on stopping the spread of slavery in part of the country and allowing it in part of the country – The way that slaveholders voted was very different from the way that non-slaveholders voted. And I'm able to do that analysis because I now have the complete list of who was a slaveholder and who wasn't. And I think that making that list available is going to allow a lot more of that analysis to happen. So you've used the word men. Uh, In my reading of your article, I see the word men. Were there no women in your research findings? There actually was one woman. Uh, I looked at the the set of every member of Congress who was born before 1840, and that is a list of more than 5,500 men and one woman, Rebecca Latimer Felton, and she was indeed a slaveholder, and she was briefly in the U.S. Senate in 1922. Where is she from? She's from Georgia. Uh-huh. Okay. Well... <laughs> It's interesting to see how they played a role in some of these these issues. You mentioned the Supreme Court justice who who was a dissenting vote in the Dred Scott decision, even though he was a slaveholder. Um, what would you hope in us reading this today and these very interesting facts from history? What would you hope people would take away from this report? Well, I hope that people will find ways that they can make use of this. Maybe they're working on a genealogy project about their own family history and they can 
look into some historical figures they might be related to. Uh, maybe they're living in one of the towns. There are a lot of towns that are debating whose name should be on public schools or public buildings. And they might be able to use this as a resource for figuring out who was a slaveholder who has their name on a building. Uh, I'm also hoping that people will help me out in finishing the project because there's still research to be done. Well, you're talking to the right listeners if you want research on, on ancestors. Utah is very famous for that, as you may know. And you might have some That's takers. That's right. You're right. Well, this is great. I mean, well, it's re- I have three Utah congressmen who I would really like some help with. If your listeners can help me with uh, John Thomas Kane, George Quill Cannon, or John Fitch Kinney, all three of them are people who I, I couldn't make a conclusive determination either way, whether they were slaveholders or not. If anyone has any evidence, I'd really appreciate it. Well, Julie, I'm sure we can find you on the Internet. W-E-I-L is how you spell her last name, and uh, I think you're going to get some takers on that invitation. It's always good to go back in history to view where we've been and where we've come from. Julie, thanks so much for helping us uh, understand this very interesting dynamic in in the U.S. history. Well, thank you for putting that famous Utah genealogy to work for me. I appreciate it. (laughs) You bet. I hope it pays off for you. Well, next on Inside Sources, uh, we've got some more very interesting conversations to hold. Uh, More Afghan refugees are coming to Utah. And we will hear from Pamela Atkinson, who's Utah's tireless advocate when it comes to refugees, homeless, many other very important issues. She's on the State Refugee Advisory Board, and she joins us next to discuss how we can welcome these refugees into our community. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.